Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. (laughs) Welcome to the program, everybody. This is the show where we give you the tools, the skills, the solutions, the insight about your own life, about humanity. This is where we teach you how to find the good life. You know, we're not going to tell you the good life. You got to find your own. Don't be lazy. But today we are going to get into um, a fairly interesting subject, I believe, about uh, slowing down. Yeah. You, you got to slow down. Exactly. As you but ran in here. As I ran in out here. Out of breath. Literally out of breath. <sighs> you but you know what? Down. I'm going to slow down for the show today. But don't slow down stop. too much. Well, see, this is the life of a college student. You have your day, yeah. and your day consists of moments when you're either hurrying yeah. like none other yeah running crazy or bored out of your, well not bored out of your mind but in a complete rest state so you wake yeah. up you're in a hurry like no other you right. go to your first class you're in a complete rest state and then when that class ends and you have to get to the next but one you, so you're the, hurrying like none other but the, it sounds like your complete rest state is when you're in class yeah which is really when you should probably not be at your complete rest state <laughs> it's true one would hope i wish it wasn't always that way yeah well your teachers must be um i don't know helpful in your sleep goals (laughs) you know being a film major that's actually a difficult thing that we have to deal with the most of the because not only can your classes be boring sometimes they're boring and you're sitting in a comfy chair and all the lights are off because you're watching a movie oh yeah so it gets gets i see why you did it though well it's hard if you want to pass yeah. But great if well, you need a Well, I do want to pass, but you know, that hasn't kept me from falling asleep. G- just give me times. one example of your just your last class right before you got here. Like <laughs> last... give me the depth of what you would do in a class for film. Just <laughs> this just, is not just, a good just this last. I mean, this is just I'm just saying just your very okay, last class. You know what? In my very last class, yeah. we got to do what everybody thinks film majors do. Yeah. We got to sit down and we watch jaws. Mm. And you know what? Let's just say we owe a lot to Mr. Spielberg. Yes, we do. We do. He brought yeah. us, he ushered in a new millennium. Well, lots of blood. Of amazing movies. And uh, gore. And triumph. And the the two-note song that is Jaws. Da-da. Yeah. Isn't that two notes? It's genius. It's brilliant. And, uh, you know, just to contrast, uh, when I was in college, we would read books and we would study you know and we just would to do assignments. Last week I watched a movie. That was a German neoclassicist film where everyone died. So there you have it. Was there a shark involved? Was there a shark? Uh, No. A man was crazy. And so we killed everybody. Anyway. Yeah. That's kind of a downer. So Jaws was a little bit deserved after that film. Yeah. Um, I don't relate. Actually, my worst classes ever were the drama class. Not the drama. The movie critic. We had to go like critique a movie. A little Charlie Chaplin. How do you critique that guy? Come on. He just wiggles his cane and he, walks like a penguin. He's brilliant. That's how. Yeah. Seriously. It, City lights. Come I'm on. so shallow. See, I didn't <laughs> see the brilliance. Well. But I'm sure there was some. There, There is some. It's, it's just part of learning. But see, that's what, that's what makes you special because you slow down. See, I just didn't see it. I didn't see it in gravity. To me, it was a space shuttle floating through space. 
she was about to die, yada, yada, yada. You read into that, the birth of a human. There was, yeah, there's some allegory there. Losing her umbilical cord and needing to find <laughs> You know, that, a that is kind in of life. an interesting way to, you know, just to start our conversation on the idea of slowing down. Is that I feel like sometimes we watch movies the same way we live rest, the rest of our lives, which I is right. we want immediate information, we yeah. want it now, we want to Gratification, go from one thing to the other, we want our up. Twitter to give us all of our news right. in these tiny little snippets, yeah. and we want to run to work, want to do work as fast as Don't we can. Don't make me think. We have to be constantly engaged. Yeah. And, you know, we watch movies the same way. We sit down and we want to either be fed... You know, explosions and excitement, which, you know what? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No. I love Avengers well, as I'm, much as the next girl. Avengers, Rambo. <laughs> Let's just get back to the real classics. Yeah, there you go. But, Rambo. you know, sometimes there's so much benefit to slowing down and really looking at what's around us and evaluating it. and Smelling the roses. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot to be had there. Give me one example. What is to be had by slowing down one's life? See, a lot of people are afraid you don't want to slow it down because there will be a day that you won't be able to speed it up. So you want to keep it going. You want to keep it going. Um, so as not to miss anything. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to give you a really strange example, but it's something that I prepared today because it's a news story that I okay. feel like everybody should know about. A study from the University of Leicester in England um, discovered that when playing slow music to cows, their milk production increased by 3%. Hmm? So, Why? Because the cows were more relaxed. And uh, yeah, kind of a silly example. But here's the thing. That's I feel crazy. Like our production, our, you our know, milk production, our, 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 our productivity, our, ability, our productivity will also go up if we slow down a little I agree bit. Slower, slower is the slow is the new fast. It's true. Right. Well, actually, like I wish I could say 30. that. But really, there, there's been this whole slow life movement. Ever since the 1980s, it started with the slow food movement, kind of emphasizing that you yeah, want to chew you your know, food. Take well, no, it was more about taking Experience more notice it. of where your food comes from, oh, okay. buying locally owned things, cooking it yourself. Yeah, it takes a longer time. It's not fast food, right. but it's better for you. Yeah, and you know, healthier for you and healthier for the economy because you're buying from local, right. you know, people. Um, but yeah, is that when they started playing music for cows? <laughs> Probably. That's <laughs> when they, that was in 2001. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. But. But really, it hasn't caught on. I think we've only sped up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you still, it's the paradigm, right? So we're trying to break a paradigm. We, we think more in your life means better. Definitely. But really, yeah. it, more doesn't mean better. Faster doesn't mean happier. No, I kind of, just think of it as like you are traveling, let's say. Okay. And you're in Europe and you spend one day in each major city in Europe. So you spend one day in London, one day in Paris, one day in Venice, one day in Rome. And you just kind of like hop around yeah. to all the cities. But what you do in all of the cities is you hop into a museum for a second, look at one painting. Right. There it is. And the Mona Lisa. You're like, oh, there it is. Okay, now we better go. Yeah. And you eat whatever food is fastest. So you don't actually get to experience the cuisine. Yeah. You don't get to talk to anybody. And you just kind of hop around. And at the end, yeah, you've been to all those places, but have you really experienced them? Yeah. Do you really know what it, the culture is like there? So it's kind of the same thing with life. If you're just picking, you know, if you're just spending tiny amounts of time in every little aspect of your life, you're just barely skimming the surface of everything that you can get from those things. thousand miles wide, inch deep. Exactly. Versus... 10 inches wide, 1,000 miles deep. You want to be like a life scuba diver. You want to go as deep as possible.
See, look at how profound you are. See, that is depth. <laughs> Mine, I would have just gone back to the tortoise and the hare. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know. The hare's bouncing all over the place. Yeah. You know, bang, 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 bang. Uh, I don't know if that's what he sounded like, but ish. <laughs> that's it. And then the, uh, but the tortoise just slow and steady, and then he wins the race. Boom. Yeah. You know why? Because he took out the hare's legs. I don't, I don't that's a, that's what that, I always thought in my head. Oh, okay. That's where yeah, the lucky really that's where the lucky rabbit's foot came from. But yeah, um, just saying. Here's an interesting thing. So let's let's go harken back to the early 1800s, about the 1830s, when people started moving to cities. Yeah, and everybody started moving to cities, and the style of life really changed then because you know before that you had everybody kind of living on farms. You're living this very pastoral right. lifestyle, and then. Here comes the Industrial Revolution. Now everybody's working in factories, moving to cities. And that's kind of where I see the pace of life really begins to yes. start. And there's actually this really interesting By the way, that's study. the invention of the hot dog stand. I guarantee you. <laughs> okay. Fast food. Yeah, I'm sure, actually. Fast, fast That's you know, options. Or maybe it was a falafel. Who knows? <laughs> a shawarma. But it was... Probably more like, you know, bangers and mash in the mm. streets of London. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um. Or we could go in northern New York. Uh, no, it's just. <laughs> but there's an interesting study, and it actually <laughs> proves that when the concentration of a population is larger, so like in a city where there are tons and tons of people yeah. all packed into a small space, people walk faster. Oh, for real? For real. I mean, there's it feels been like several they walk studies done that started, you know, in the 1800s. Again, it, um, it people started thinking about that. Uh, Real studies began in the 1970s, continued through the 1980s, and there have even been some more recent studies about that. But everything has gone to show that when a city grows larger, they walk people faster. walk faster. Why? And they're running from each other. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Nobody really knows. It kind of there, There's a whole idea of a pace of a city that yeah. a lot of it depends just on the type of people who live there right. and kind of those cultural impacts. But one possible explanation for this, and one that I think is very reasonable, is that when a city grows larger... The cost of living increases. Usually, your wages increase, your salary increases, and because of that, you the value of your time supposedly increases. Ooh, changes. So now you got to move it. Yeah. So say you're, you know, yeah. a stock market person in New York. You're you're on Wall Street. You're bidding on stuff like nuts. You're out yeah, there. Yeah, you got to get out right there. In get in and stuff. out. You have to be fast. Yeah. There's, you know, you there are thousands of dollars on the line. Yeah. And you can't. You That's can't. You can't afford to be slow. Literally, you right. can't afford it. Well, and, and plus, so, there's a. If you're busy, that means there's something special about you. So exactly. you have to move people in and out. So then all of a sudden, it becomes almost a. Uh, it's an image thing. Uh-huh. You got. I mean, the slow pokey guy that just kind of, you know, slowly makes his way to work. <laughs> no, we think he must not be very important. Uh, Charlie he's not Chaplin, hurrying. by the way. You know what, Charlie Chaplin, very was slow walker, a hobo. So. He was an entertainer. Well, I mean, let's not his character. Him. We'll put his character. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin's character was a hobo. Charlie Chaplin himself was actually a very Did he walk successful fast? filmmaker. Yeah. So one would assume that. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I'm just Yeah, test- but this is the thing. Testing, we all just, yeah. you know, increase, increase, increase our speed, but I don't, we well, haven't really increased no. our productivity. It's kind of like that. you cut the chicken's head off and they just run around. Exactly. But it doesn't just, you know, it's not more efficient because it's I mean, really, fast. How often do you feel that? I feel that way all the time. Yeah, I, just, I never know I have so many things to do and yeah. you just kind of run and you I, – I become really ineffective when right. I have lots of stuff to yeah. do. I have like ever, to, you know, categorize my time. Have you ever so. gotten somewhere and then you get there and you know you're supposed to be there and you don't know why you're supposed to be there? I – yes. That <laughs> happens – this is 
Have you ever called walking home up and down and the stairs? Asked, that is my least. <laughs> you do that because like, not because I mind walking up and down the stairs. It's because that any time I do so, yeah. I will have forgotten at least one thing. So let's say I'm upstairs and I'm going to go downstairs to yeah. do homework. I'll leave like half of my textbooks upstairs, and I'll go up, and then I'll re- when I get back downstairs, I'll re- realize I've left my notebook or my See. computer charger, and it takes oh. like three trips because I'm trying to hurry, and so I don't actually take the time to think. This is the human race right yeah, here. So we, um, by the way, the human race right there. Race. It's a race. Walking fast. Uh, I went on a date with some friends and my wife once. Mm-hmm. We all got in the car. And I'm like, I was driving, so where are we going? And they're all, you know, uh, we, we want to go to dinner. So just okay. start driving to where <laughs> the restaurants are. Okay. So I started driving to where the restaurants are. And the whole time I'm like, so do we know which restaurant? Because there's a lot of restaurants. Yes. And um, no, what about – and we couldn't decide. But I'm like, should I pull over? And they're like, no, just keep driving. So we're now driving to go somewhere where we don't know where we're going. And well, I guess we'll know when we get there. And then when we got there, we figured out that's not where we wanted to be. We wanted to be back where we were. So I had to drive but, back. But you were moving. See, that was and the goal. that was the important we thing. We think if you're moving. <laughs> you're moving, you're making progress. You know what you're going. But maybe it's better to figure out where you're going. Exactly. I'm just saying. Um, I have a great example of somebody who has learned to be slow in, in a good way. Who? His name is Professor It's not Thomas. Maddie. Maddie Richards, is it? No, she's kind of a hurrier. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> no, his name is uh, Professor Thomas Parnell. Hmm. And he began an experiment in 1927. Oh, he's still doing the experiment? <laughs> yes. This experiment has gone on for 83 years. What? Yes. University of Queensland. Um, the experiment was with the substance called pitch. And it's a substance that you don't really know if it's like a solid or a liquid. Okay. Because if you like hit it with a hammer, it'll break and shatter like a rock or yeah. a piece of glass. But if you heat it up, it actually does move like a liquid eventually. Just at a very slow pace. And so in 1927, he heated a bunch of pitch, which is like a kind of tar, and he put it into this funnel. Okay. And his goal was he wanted to see the pitch drip out of the end of the funnel. A pitch drip. A pitch drop. Yeah. Okay. He wanted to drop. But the thing is, is that the pitch only lets out a drop about every 10 years. Oh, boy. And when it actually does drop, it only takes a second. See, this is where you've got to choose your hypothesis carefully. <laughs> exactly. This so this is, is his goal him. is is he wants to see the pitch drop and figure out what what the physics okay. are behind it. But the thing is, this has again been going on since 1927. So he's only had what eight drops. Yeah, and he's never actually managed to be there <laughs> when the pitch drops. And um, obviously that has gotten easier <laughs> since there have been cameras. But guess what? The first time they had cameras, the camera broke. Oh, man. When the pitch dropped. The second time, the computer broke that they had the footage on. And so we're still waiting to see the pitch drop. How old is this man? He passed away. Oh, boy. Yeah. But, you know, he dedicated, not dedicated his life. He was doing lots of other stuff. But, you know, people still remember this. And you can actually go online, just type in pitch drop experiment into Google, and they have a live cam. So anybody can catch. you the might be able drop. to catch this drop. And so in preparation oh. for the show, I tried to, you know, Did you check channel it out? that. I I waited for about three minutes and nothing happened. I'm going to tune it in right now and then we could do At a all. pitch drop update regularly throughout the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be a very exciting update. How sad for him that he died 
with so many questions. You know, but I also listened to him talking in an interview, and he really just he just accepted that that was something that happened, and he chuckled when he talked about all of the, you know the times that he was disappointed. He just understood that you know what, yeah. this thing takes time, it's, and yeah. we got time. Well, you know what? To me, it just reminds me of like my kids trying to clean their room. <laughs> you never know when the pitch you is going to drop. You never know because when they really yeah. need to, yeah. it'll you, be clean. Right. And then you take a picture and it didn't really drop. Um, good stuff. So today on the show, we're talking slowing down. How do we slow down? How does speed and just the rate of everyone else walking around us impact us? We have a wonderful author that's going to be joining us. Christine Holbaum is going to be with us. She's, gonna, uh, she's the author of the book called The Power of Slow. And she will be teaching us. There is power in slow, folks. There's power there. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I was just doing a little beatboxing before we went live yeah, on the you, air today. Yeah, everyone else missed it. I wish you had done that live. And Maddie was giving me the look like, uh, <laughs> this uh, pitch is about to drop. <laughs> hey, we're watching uh, a really interesting experiment that's been going on for 80-plus years. It's called the Pitch Drop, uh, and it's from a university in London somewhere, in where Britain, I don't know. Anyway, uh, just an update. Australia. It's Australia, maybe, uh, but it's a tar—it's a tarry substance that's supposed to drop. It takes about ten years to drop. We're watching it right now. No drop. There is no drop in the pitch. So instead, we're going to go uh, to—we're waiting for that to happen, but it's so slow it may not happen. <laughs> we're going to go instead to a multitasking opportunity. Our very own uh, Maddie Richards asked the question: Do you find yourself doing a million things at once? Most of the time, you're playing with your kids, you're cooking dinner, you're talking on the phone and trying to answer an email all at the same time. We've all heard that multitasking isn't productive, but we don't really listen, do we? Maddie Richards had a conversation with a researcher from the University of Glasgow named uh, Dr. Heisbert Stoot about multitasking and what the effect is for us. We'll discuss how you can overcome the urge to multitask and relish in the slow lane life. Dr. Stute, what is the definition of multitasking? Yeah, the uh, multitasking means that you're doing multiple tasks either at the same time or when you're very rapidly switching between multiple tasks. And the latter example is probably more common. We rarely really do multiple things at the same time. Um, I can give you some examples of that. For example, when you're playing the piano, you're basically playing two different pieces with your left and right hand. And that's something that humans generally find very, very difficult to do. So in daily life, normally we try to evade to do that. And we just rapidly switch between multiple things. Say, for example, your phone rings, then you stop what you're doing and you attend the phone call. And then once you're done, you go back to the task that you did before that. And that's already an example of multitasking. How does multitasking affect men and women in their day-to-day lives? Well, it affects all of us, especially with modern gadgets. 
So we're all having uh, our email on and uh, we have our phone on our desk. So when we are doing something, say, for example, when we're, well, whatever you do for your work, you know, some people, they're probably um, painting a house. Uh, other people are writing a paper or doing desk work. We are constantly interrupted either by other people or by our gadgets. So we always multitask we are in the sense of rapidly switching between multiple tasks. Um, we know that it is bad for everybody. Basically, we are less productive when we are multitasking because it takes time to switch your attention from doing one thing to another thing. It is uh, mentally demanding. I think that what we really should start thinking about is how we deal with all these distracting gadgets in our daily life. And we should particularly think about how we let our children deal with this. I'm very concerned about uh, children walking around with mobile phones all the time and with tablet computers. I think that especially for them, it is really hard to concentrate on one thing with all these, you know, like cool, distracting things around them. And I think we urgently need more research on, on that. I think that should be our priority. There are many studies out there that have been done on multitasking that say it can't be done and that it's more harmful than it will ever be helpful. What is your response to that? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, you know, I think there are certain situations in which you have to multitask, and of course, you can you can you can train yourself somewhat to to deal with such a demanding situation. But um, uh, yeah, on the whole, I think we need to be aware of the dangers. Thank you so much for being with us, Doctor Stute. It's been fascinating. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. So. <laughs> Um, he's fascinating. Right? He's fascinating. Uh, one word I would think, though, is is apropos for the for the today's topic. He was slow talker. Yeah, he was very good at um, but helping teaching? me understand what he did. This he's done this whole slew of studies and research yeah. about multitasking, and it was good for me because I'm a multitasker. I try to do. Are you a million things? But You're... isn't he? But like, I isn't it just really? It's not even multi. It's multi. Switching. Yeah, yeah. That's you're just what he a, was you're a fast switcher. Explaining that you can only really truly multitask very yeah. few things, like playing the piano right. was the example. But everything else, you're just rapidly going back and forth, going back and well, forth. And there's some things you can't multitask, right? Like something you, if I had, if I asked you to multiply fourteen times three divided by six times nine. You couldn't multitask that and well, another even, cognitive function. I couldn't even do that. I, I'm not good at math, so oh, hmm. I was the wrong person. You could ask. I bet well, James can do that. Uh, James could totally do that. James, what's the answer? 36. Exactly. No, it's not. No, it is totally. Check it out. <laughs> Get out your abacus and check it out. Well, okay, we've got to go because we have to stay on time and not to go slow. But that was a that was an excellent interview. Thank you. And I, throughout the show, maybe you could give us some more ideas on multitasking. Just don't multitask. It's not good for you. Slow down. It'll die. When I drive, I don't multitask. You shouldn't multitask ever, especially when you're driving. Stay safe. Exactly. Or running any machinery. Yes. If you're on a farm. Or on the don't. radio. Or on the radio. I don't do anything when I'm on the radio. <laughs> Good job. Well done. You did it again, Maddie. Uh, we're taking a break. When we come back, Christine Holbaum is going to be joining us. She's the author of the wonderful book, uh, The Power of Slow. The Power of Slow is the book. 
She's going to teach us how to slow down and the benefits of slowing down in our lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show, giving you the tools to find the good life. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. everybody to the Matt Townsend show. Today we're going to slow it down. We're going to teach you the power of slow because slow is faster and fast is merely exhausting. That is the that is the uh, subline, the subtext to the wonderful blog we found, thepowerofslow.com. You got to go check it out. Thepowerofslow.com which it was uh, also a book put together by Christine Holbaum, who's our guest today. And Christine has had 15 years of experience in marketing and PR. She is the CEO and president of Butterfly Public Relations. Her blog, dedicated to slow living in a fast-paced world, uh, was nominated for Blog of the Year in 2009 by the Stevie Awards. She's appeared in the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, San Francisco Chronicle, among others. She currently enjoys the sunshine of, maybe not currently, we'll find out, of Fry, uh, sunshine in Freiburg, Germany, where she lives with her son, Christine. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Christine, are you there? Thank you so much, Matt. It's great to be here. Good to have I you. Am. Now, can you hear me? I am totally. You're fine. I can hear you. Um, you are, you're in Germany, of all places. Is Germany slower than the United here. States? It is not. It's actually, um, you know, we have the Autobahn and there are oh, no yeah. speed limits and, you know, fast cars and all that. Yes. So even though I think they, they honor Sundays as the day of rest and right. they don't have, you know, stores aren't usually open, um, there's still this mentality of working, 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 working and being busy. It's, um... it's kind of one of those things. I think it has a lot to do with today's technology. And that we're always connected. We're in an on, on, online world all the time. And, and again, it just seems like to me that's not going away. Uh, Homer Simpson, not to quote, you know, to quote Homer Simpson, Homer Simpson was wondering if this Internet thing was here to stay. But I, I have a feeling it is. It absolutely is. And I think it's our job to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, because. You know, uh, we are always connected, and we can be talking to people around the world all the time, which is a fabulous thing, but we also the human body still needs sleep. Right. It still needs rest. It still needs time off. And I think our children are growing up in an environment in which they're in a multi-screen existence. So I often see my children with their iPhones and their iPods, and they're watching television, and they have their laptop. So they have four screens going <laughs> all the time. It's like a commander center. That is messed and up. It certainly is a very different way of growing up, um, but I think we need to learn how to also be in an offline world as well. And I think that that's a skill that our children need to learn. Oh, I love that. I, in fact, I, every once in a while, I'll offer classes for teenagers um, whose whose parents think they need uh, some work on social skills. And you will not believe how many parents are excited to get their kids off to my program in hopes that we can, you know, compensate for maybe this multi-screen environment. 
I totally agree with that. I think the art of eye contact is being lost yeah. because everyone is sort of hunkered down in this in this blackberry prayer versus <laughs> actually looking up and looking at each other. Yeah. And and I've often seen that even in restaurants where people are pulling out their iPhones and their smartphones and they're they're connecting with other people other than the ones that are near them. And and the human connection is something that's so crucial to mental health. And yet as connected as we are, we're so disconnected as well. Oh, it, I I think I think there's no doubt something's going on and it's um but what what's fun I think about your approach is you actually connect it to speed and the speed of our life. In fact, on your website, if you, if anyone goes to Power of Slow, you can um see uh there's a quiz on there that you can go take. But talk about the speed cuz so so what's happening is technology's changing things plus just I guess information abundance. Uh but what is that doing to the speed of our life? So it's increasing the speed of our lives. Really what The Power of Slow is about, the book and also my blog, is about our relationship with time, because speed is obviously time over distance. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really talking about is how we look at time itself. I think we, we live in a world in which we are time starved versus living in a world in which we can actually be time abundant. And what that's really about is shifting our perspective from a lack mentality to a mentality of abundance, to saying that I have more than enough time to fulfill my life's purpose, to do the things that are required to fulfill that purpose. And if we shift our focus and we start to ease into life in a way in which we actually have a lot of time, because it's very unpopular and doesn't seem very successful to say, oh, I have time. Sure, I always have time. It's this idea of being busy somehow a measure of success, which is not true. It's a measure of activity, but that doesn't mean that you're actually successful. And so it's looking at how you spend your time because everyone has the same amount of time every day. It's just what we choose to do with that time that matters and impacts our lives. Oh, I think that's it's fascinating. Again, there is limited time, and yet uh, when we assume and take it like you're saying, I guess from like a negative or a depreciative approach, our belief set is there just isn't enough. But you're also saying, well, no, there's an abundant amount of time. You just have to eventually, I guess, you have to you have to do something with it. You have to make sure your most important things are going into that time. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So we all have a personal bank account of time that fills up every day. So we all have 24 hours. We don't know how often that bank account gets filled. So that's sort of the mystery of life. Yeah. But if we, if we take it from the approach of today I have 24 hours, what am I going to do with it? It, it ha- it's a very different way of thinking than saying, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, yeah. I've got to do this, and you have this to-do list. You become chained to this to-do list and start to think that as you tick off all these things, which of course never really feels very good, the question is, you're getting these things done, but was that really important? Was that actually fulfilling what was most important to you? And so it's, um, it's a very different way of approaching sort of your, your relationship with time in, itself. A lot of people say, oh, relationship with time, that's a very f- sort of feminine way of thinking about time. <laughs> you can think of it as how you manage your time. Yeah. Time is actually something that you can, so, so to speak, manage because time is a construct. It's really an organizing principle. And so it's a way for us to all, um, for us to conduct commerce. 
It's a way for us all to agree to, to meet up at Starbucks at the same moment. You know, so it's a convenient construct, and it organizes our lives. So if we start to look at time as something that is useful and is a, is a resource, it's a very different thing than saying that it's something that I don't have enough of. I love that abundance approach. It's, it's useful. It, it serves us. It's, our, it's, it's, our, it's something we can take advantage of and maximize. It's not something that we just have to react to and, and you know, and deal with and put up with. Exactly. Exactly. Matt, it's about disengaging from clock combat. Hmm. We, we combat against the clock constantly. We're competing against time constantly. We're looking at the clock saying, oh, my gosh, I don't have enough time. I've got to rush, 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 rush. But what happens when we do that is we tend to forget things and we have to cope, go back. How many times do you go back you know, into the house after you've been in the oh, car? Because you've forgotten something, you're rushing. But if you took a moment, and that's what I mean about fast is actually, slow is actually faster. If you took a moment and just sort of organized your thoughts and took just five minutes, that would save you an entire hour. Oh, and I totally so, agree. I mean, even yeah. if you took 10 seconds before running out the door and just thought, okay, big deep breath. What is the most important thing I need to be taking right now? I mean, just that right there would save me driving a block away, recognizing it, turning all the way around, telling my kids to be quiet, and then getting in the house again. <laughs> exactly. That is slow. I mean, and again, it's... We think it's we think it's it's I guess it too it's falling prey. Who was it? There was a great quote: "Falling prey to the tyranny of the urgent," and we're falling prey mm-hmm. to all of the needs yeah. of the urgency around it, urgency around us. When in reality, it's your twenty four hours. It's yours. What are you going to do with it? It's about yes. It's about taking control again of your life. It's about making empowered choices. And the sense of urgency is constantly there. Just look at your smartphone, for example. You're getting these text messages and you're getting Facebook notifications. You're getting all of these things that you are in reaction to all day. And how incredibly exhausting that is to be in reaction to something versus being proactive Mm -hmm. and being in charge of how you spend your time and how you choose to react to the things that are coming at you. Because ultimately we're overwhelmed with the mounds of information that we are subjected to. Uh, I, I don't have the statistics in, in my head right now, but I know that um, there, this was this is a statistic from like two years ago, it's probably even bigger now, but the average teenager sent, sent 3,000 text messages a month. No, I heard that, yeah. She, yeah, if you think of that, I mean, how many text messages are they sending? That's crazy. Back and forth, back and forth. And now that they have free text messaging through applications like WhatsApp. They're doing even more than that. Yeah. Snapchat, well, all of these things. With 100% like open rate, Christine. So they're, they're getting 3,000, <laughs> but they're opening all of them. Like it's 99% open rate, which is, again, we can't, as parents, we send 1,000 messages and they don't open any of them. But we, if we would just send it in a text, they'd be all over it. Or, or perhaps or perhaps they do, yeah. and then they just don't respond. Yeah, that's you know, it. That's, that's it. That might be thing. it. That's exactly. It's, <laughs> there, there's some obvious dangers, it seems like, to falling prey to all this urgency. Um, in, in all your research, what are, some of the, what are some of the biggest dangers you see to living the fast life instead of slowing down? 
Well, when you were talking earlier uh, about multitasking, yeah. this is something that is, uh, you know, and, and it's now it's a fact that multitasking is actually not something that you can do. Right. You have two cognitive functions that are similar. You can't actually do them. You're task switching, so you're going back and forth. But an example would be you're driving and you're suddenly, you get a text message or the phone rings and you just, you, you look down for just a millisecond to get the phone or you're, yeah. un, you know, punching in your code to actually be able to answer the phone or whatever you're doing. And then you get into an accident. Um, that's one very, very big danger. Another big danger is mental health. We tend to be constantly, even after hours, it used to be the nine-to-five grind. Well, now it's 24-7 mm-hmm. because we're available beyond the normal office hours. So we are also just you know, trying to catch up and trying to keep up with all of this information that's coming and all the demands that um, are placed on our time on a daily basis or even in a minute basis. Oh, that's just... My heart races thinking about that. It's so pitiful. I mean, just the other day, I was driving down the freeway, and I saw I pulled right up next to. I happen to be going a little faster than everyone. Don't know how that happens. I'm not even in Germany, and um, I pull up next to a car, and she's texting, and I'm thinking I'm watching her, and I'm just I think okay, I'm going to watch how long this woman texts before she notices that I'm noticing her texting, and about five minutes into it, not five, five seconds into it, I'm thinking. I, I'm not watching the road. I'm about to die myself. But it's like I'm so caught up in the moment of the urgent and what's happening that none of us even evaluate what's important anymore. That's very true. We're so busy being in reaction to things and reacting to the urgency. And, the, and we never really stop to say, what are we rushing toward? Right. Because I, I'm actually a, a recovering speedaholic, I like to call myself. <laughs> um, I used to really think that the more I got done, the better I was going to be in life and the, more, the better positioned I was going to be. And then I had children. Mm. And they, the, the Power of Slow, the book, The Power of Slow, that I wrote is actually dedicated to my children because they were the first teachers of the power that is slow. Children work at their own pace, just as nature works at its own pace. Have you ever seen a cow graze fast? <laughs> like really fast. Got to get, got to get done. Got to get done. Got to get milk by noon that. so I can go back out. Because it, it goes through the it's McDrive. So yeah, you know, it's grass. It, it eats at its pace. Yeah, it eats until it's you know, and and you've never, you know, you don't see a, a flower pushing through very, very, very quickly because it's got to get somewhere. It it works at its own rhythm. And if you notice children, young young children, they go at their own pace. Like putting, have you ever seen a three-year-old put on her shoes? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, hustle in it. Yeah, hurry. <laughs> feeling it? That's <laughs> it. I know. We're going to come back, come back to my mind. Put your shoes on. Put your shoes uh, on. That's why we. That's why we use Velcro. Yeah, exactly. Then it's like fast. Give her boots. Wow, Christine, I think you're on it here. Um, we've got to take a break. We're talking with Christine Holbaum, who is the, uh, the she has a blog, thepowerofslow.com. Go check it out. Tons of great uh, insight articles uh, there, but also the book, um, The Power of Slow as well. That's just, you know, it seems so obvious, except you bring up one example of nature, cows, flowers. Slow is the norm. I mean, it's a standard. We go our pace. We've got to figure it out. Speed and how we slow down. That's what we're talking about. This is the Matt Townsend Show. More with Christine Hallbaum right when we come back on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Slow down, friends. Easy now. You got to slow down once in a while and smell the roses. We have an incredible guest uh, joining us today who wrote the book called The Power of Slow. Her name is Christine Holbaum. She also is uh, the uh, the owner and the writer for the blog uh, powerofslow.com. Go to the website powerofslow.com. And by the way, there's a speed of life quiz that you can take there. I'm just about to get started on it to see how uh, messed up I am. But if you go to the, her website, powerofslow.com, you'll, you'll learn everything about her, plus the book, Power of Slow. She's appeared on in the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, San Francisco Chronicle. She lives in Freiburg, Germany, where she lives with her son. And she is the CEO and president of Butterfly Public Relations. Christine, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks so much, Matt. So good, good to, to have you. Um, we were talking before the break you know the the animals they're not in a hurry that, that that's one of my funniest learnings recently is the only kind of chronically stressed animals are humans and supposedly those animals that live with humans we are we're basket really? cases yeah. i mean it's it's sad and then all of a sudden you bring up a cow trying to hurry and get its you know get its first stomach full um it's it, it just shows kind of how crazy. What is it? What, why do we equate busy and hurried to effective or productive? There's the delay to Germany. Sorry there, Matt. I've lost right. it there for a minute. So why, why are we all messed up? Well, well and why that's, do we equate that? Why do we say busy equals productive? Well, in my mind, busy is a four-letter word. <laughs> It, it actually, just so you know, Christine, it is. It is. If you if you needed validation, it is a four letter word. It, it is. It okay. Is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I counted before I said that. Um, I think we feel we need to be productive, and absolutely, no people who are under busy, like they are, un, they're underemployed, or they're they're not feeling feeling fulfilled, can also mm-hmm. be depressed. But I think we have overdone it in our world and think that, you know, we should be stretching, stretching our limits beyond what's actually possible. And, and so it's, it's a way, it, I think we just have lost touch with reality in some way. Huh. Because, because, I mean, I'm no technophobe. Believe me, I have a, I have an, a cell phone. I have, you know, computers and all that stuff. Um, but I believe that we've allowed our computers to be our role models. And so we're trying to move at the speed of light versus the speed mm. of life yeah. because our computers are so fast. So that's one of, the, one of our modern problems that we've, we've really feel like we have to sort of take on all of the stuff because it's actually possible. But we are losing the quality of life as a result of that. Oh. So we're starting to think that more is more when actually less is more. Yeah. Well, I, I think of that. All of these these wonderful gurus that are so revered, the Buddha, Gandhi, Jesus Christ, these, these people, Mother Teresa, they, they all die with not a lot of things. So when you think, when you think slow is faster and less is more, yet they brought so much insight, they brought so much awareness to others and to themselves. And, um, there's something that I think resonates with this idea that slow is more, but then there's that weird guilt. It's almost like you almost hear these, the echoes of your mother saying, are you just going to sit there all day? (laughs) So then you feel this need to start moving. 
Right. That's absolutely right. I think um, when my children say to me, I'm so bored, mom, I'm like, great. That means you're you're at the edge of creativity. Here we go. Yeah. Now you actually have some time to think. Um, And, you know, I I do believe we are filled with this guilt. I don't like to blame the Puritans for everything. Right. But I do believe that they set this work ethic in our minds. If you're not doing something, then you are somehow idle and therefore you're sinful and therefore you're a bad person. So we have this collective cultural belief that being active is somehow really, really positive. And it's not about being passive, but it is about honoring the power of rest as well and taking vacations and spending time with the people that you love and and taking time for people and also for yourself. Mm. I think that that is... Um, it's, it's so undervalued in our society. What's valued are material things. So the bigger your house is, the, the grander your, your cars are, somehow that is seen as worthwhile to, to attain versus maybe having a fabulous family life or a great circle of friends or um, pursuing a hobby that makes a difference to you and maybe your community. Yeah. Those are things that I think that, that have shifted, that we're looking more and more towards this, this void. And so we try to fill the void with more stuff. Yeah. And we wonder why we feel so empty. Uh, we're constantly in search of the stuff to fill that emptiness, yet the intangibles, like just being creative, you can sit there and not be moving but be thinking or be feeling something profound or be watching something that moves you, or enjoying art, or, but again, none of them, I mean, they're, they're not always deemed as valuable, because I guess they're more intangible in a way. They're not as, they're ethereal, they're frou-frou. That's right. That's hmm. right. However, I think that if we were to actually slow down, as I'm suggesting, it would have a vibrational impact on the earth. Right. And I don't mean that just in sort of a woo-woo sense. All I mean right. literally, literally not getting in your car and racing to the next event, but actually taking a moment to hug a tree or to walk through the grass, if you're lucky to have grass now that isn't filled yeah. with snow. <laughs> um, and, you know, and that kind of thing. It's, it's, there's something that happens. There's like this impact on the earth yeah. if we actually were to slow down and to be more reflective. And really, the power of slow is about mindful living. It's about thinking. It's also heart-based. It's not just about your mind. It's about thinking about what's truly important to you and what moves you, Mm. and then doing those things. Like having the courage to say no to this crushing force that society is putting upon you, that you have to have the five-bedroom home and the six-bath, and to say, I might just downside and live a life of true meaning for myself. I love it. I, I and I the power again of just ten percent of us taking that challenge that you just gave right there to slow it down and to think about it, make it mindful and heartful. Um, what a what a powerful thing. We're talking with um, Christine now. Christine Hol, Holbaum is the the uh, the the author, the blogger of the website powerofslow dot com which was nominated for a Stevie Award in 2009. Um, Also, she's the author of the book, The Power of Slow. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. When we come back, she's going to uh, teach us some new ways that we can regenerate ourselves every day and figure out how to create strategies uh, for getting the power of slow and the principles and the benefits of the power of slow. This is The Matt Townsend Show, trying to slow down your life and simultaneously increase what you're able to see, what you're able to feel, what you're able to hear, helping you find the good life. That's the goal of this show. 
We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Everybody, all you slow pokes, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking slowing down, and I have a confession to make. Uh, I have taken the Speed of Life quiz on the website, thepowerofslow.com, powerofslow.com, and I've got some bad news. I apparently am currently uh, heading at the speed of light. And I need to slow down. My score was 30, 27% out of a possible 30 out of 110 points. And I only got 30. So slow is not my uh, MO, which is so sad. So, hey, let's talk to the pro about this. Our guest today is Christine Holbaum. She, again, is a 15 years experience in PR and marketing, CEO and president of the Butterfly Public, or Butterfly Public Relations she has a blog dedicated to slow living in the fast-paced world. Uh, just go to powerofslow.com, fastest way to get there. She's appeared in uh, you know multiple uh, magazines, news organizations, the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, San Francisco Chronicle, among others. She enjoys the sunshine in Freiburg, Germany, where her son, she lives with her son, and she has put together the book, The Power of Slow. And um, which I guess, Christine, the book now you, you hear my score. I'm 30 out of 110. Is that normal or am I am I just you, really a, a mess? You are, not, you are not alone, Matt. As a matter of fact, most people who take this quiz fail it. Oh, boy. Um, well, that's good. And that's just that's just because it's indicative of the pace of life that we are subjected to on a yeah. daily basis. Well, so, when the first question is, do you do you speed? And I'm like, pfft. Yeah, get off my back. But um, <laughs> honestly, but right then I'm like, okay, I didn't even think of that. Okay, sure. Oh, oh, what do I do in line? Oh, oh, okay. But it, it's a great thing. So I recommend everybody go to the website, powerofslow.com, and take the quiz. Take the quiz, yeah, and see, and see where you're at. And don't feel bad if you do not pass it. Okay, it's good. merely to give you a sense of... You know where where you're at in life, and again, everyone has their own custom pace. This yeah. is not to say that my fast is is going to be, you know, or my slow is going to be your slow. Right. Your slow, my slow could be your fast. Who knows? Um, but it's about actually looking at how we spend our time, how we spend those units in our personal bank account of time every day, and how we set our priorities. Because ultimately, it's about what do we do with the time that we have. Yeah. And one of the things that I like to recommend that people do, like I get to be really practical, I like to be really practical with people, um, is, for example, when you wake up in the morning, how you start your morning is basically going to inform how your how your entire day will unfold. Yeah. So if you're going to, if you step, you know, before you even get out of bed, if you're checking your Facebook status, or if you were, you know, you were just sort of connecting immediately without connecting with yourself first even if it's just a 30-second sort of yeah, check in, in. the yeah. morning, um, you're going to, you're going to yeah, just check in with yourself before you check in with your thousand Facebook friends. 
you're going to have a, a very different approach to the way your day unfolds. So that's number one. I always have a little, I say this morning mantra. I basically greet to the morning uh-huh. um, and, and, and sort of um, declare that, that I will embrace all possibility that comes my way with love, light, and creativity. That's sort it's of beautiful. my mantra that I say every day. Yeah. Well, versus, um, hey, I've got friends. Yeah, and it, it really... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, hey. I've got, oh, God. oh, more mail. Like, oh, yeah. You know. Um, it's, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's great. It's a great way of checking in with yourself first before you check in with your online world. And then another thing that um, I think is important because we tend to sort of be in reaction. We've been talking about this a lot today, Matt. Yeah. Um, is to get get control of your time by saying, okay, what are the top five things that I need to do today? And maybe you have these priorities that are continuous, like your family, your job, maybe a project that you're working on, write those things down individually on index cards. Mm -hmm. And then, like, say your family is one of them, maybe a project is another one, maybe a client is another one. And then you put little magnets on the back of the index cards and you put them on a whiteboard. And then before you start your day, you say, okay, my number one priority today is this. So you have that on the top. And then the next thing is maybe your client. And then the third thing is maybe uh, you got to pick up the dog from the groomer or something like that, yeah. whatever, a family or pet. Um, and then as you've finished each of those priorities, finished your project, then you put it at the bottom or you finish that one item. So once you you've done it, you move the card down, I guess, to the bottom of the list because you've done. Exactly. And what this does for people who are visual in particular is it gives them a sense of control, like, wow, I just did this thing. And then if you forget, if you start to get into getting distracted because we're in a world of distraction, um, all we need to do is look at the whiteboard and say, right, okay, now my priority is actually this thing. Another thing to do is instead of having all of these applications open at one time on your computer, if you work on a computer, is to close all of the applications as hard as this is, but to do that, and only have those open, those windows open, that are dedicated to the project at hand. And if you do that, you will find that that article that t- usually takes three hours to do will take like 20 minutes if you are focused. Yeah. I mean, so, the distractions so, cost us so much anyway. So you're just saying eliminate your known distractions and create a system for figuring out what your priorities are and go back to it and go back to it. Exactly. That's exactly. powerful. And one of the things about the index cards is that, obviously, your priorities might have to be shuffled because mm-hmm. maybe there's an emergency. The project is now no longer important, but the client is. So you can actually physically move those things up. And it gives you a sense of, like, flexibility as well, that you're not feeling like, okay, I have this to-do list that's very static, and I can't move it. But yeah. I can move these index cards with ease. It's flexibility when it comes to kind of your life management there has to be that principle in there. Otherwise, all of a sudden, I'll be living Christine's system, and it won't jive with my life. And then, then I can just give up the system. Instead of living—you don't have to live Christine's system. You could just live Christine's principles, and right. you don't have to give up the system. I mean, just find your own way of doing it. Find your own way. Maybe you're not a visual person. Maybe you hate index cards or whiteboards. That's yeah. completely fine. It's really about the intention behind it. Yes. So what are you trying to do? You're trying to say, what is most important to me? Maybe your expression is, maybe you're more of an audio person, and so you give yourself little audio notes. Hmm. Um, or maybe you're a, a, more of a, a tactile person, so you need to touch things. You have these things that are on your desk that represent those important things. Maybe they're pictures. I mean, it just depends on how you work. 
But um, in The Power of Slow, I lay out 10 principles, basically, that um, support this idea of slow is faster. And if I have a minute, I'll yeah, mention the 10 things. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so the first, is, the first thing is really is looking at relate to time. Because in our world, time is money, right? Yeah. That isn't true anymore because in the internet, that whole belief has been suspended. People are making money while they sleep. Right. So time is not money. Time is merely time. That's the first principle. Yeah. The second is that multitasking is a myth. I think we've talked about that a lot in the yeah. show, so we don't really need to go into that. Um, but it's true. The more we try to multitask, the more frustrated we become. Then we also, the third thing is to look at our habits. Like, how do we get up in the morning? How do we spend our day? How often are we checking our iPhone? Um, looking at your habits and realizing that we're creatures of habits. So if you're doing habits that are destructive or wasting time, you might want to replace them with something more powerful. Right. Then the fourth principle is learning how to say no. That's something that's one of my favorite topics. We could talk about that for an entire hour. <laughs> we say yes to so many things, but when we say no to, to, certain, to certain opportunities, we're actually saying yes to ourselves and to that higher purpose that, is, that, that makes up our lives. That's power. Then looking at looking at the fifth principle of procrastination. We procrastinate sometimes, not, not all the time. Some people are more procrastinators than others, but when we procrastinate, what we're really doing is we, we are um, exercising a fear-based response to something because we don't know how to start it, so we just decide not to do it at all. Okay. So it's, really, it's really about, it's avoidant behavior, procrastination. So looking at what you're procrastinating about and trying at least one step towards that goal, and you'll find that it's a lot easier to finish it. Um, then looking at the benefit of leisure time, taking vacations. That's the sixth principle, but it's so important to actually re- renew yourself. The seventh is taking time out during the day. So it's not about taking vacations, but it's about actually taking little mini time outs to take a breather, to go outside, to actually take your lunch break. Mm. The eighth thing is managing expectations. Because oftentimes, again, it's sort of an avoidant behavior. We tend to maybe not manage expectations, maybe our client, maybe our family. We kind of avoid these things and then get big upset. And we waste a lot of time trying to clean up what we could have avoided if we'd managed those expectations in the first place. The ninth principle is about focus. We talked about this before, about closing all those windows that are distracting us and really focusing on what's most important in that moment. The more we focus, the more productive we are, the faster we can go have fun. And then the tenth is learning how to delegate. So that's really about not dumping on other people, but playing to other people's strengths so that you can free up time to play against your own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because delegate, I mean, it's an, it really is, because sometimes it could feel like you're dumping, like you say, but it's really understanding the people around you best so that you know how to leverage their skills, their tools. It's really, it's a, it's a form of empowering others. It absolutely is. It's about showing trust that, that, you know, hey, you know what, you're great at Excel. I would love for you to take on this project while I go do this other thing because PowerPoint is more my thing, for example. You know, um, so I think that's really important. Delegation is one of my hardest points. This is, this is the chapter that was the hardest for me to write. Is that why it was 10th? You were, you were, you were um, procrastinating. <laughs> I was procrastinating. I was totally pushing <laughs> off to the end. Absolutely, Matt, you've got my number. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. I, I, I pushed that off to the end. But I, I realized that delegation is so important. And having a team of people that are on your side is so powerful. It really it is. Yeah. You... Um, what what I love about kind of the deeper view of this is, to you, this this all is deeper than just like being more efficient, 
and being more able to do more. Because part of it, it sounds like what you're also saying, though, is you have to be present. You have to be in the moment, in the now, in your mind, in your heart, and aligned to what matters. Or if not, it doesn't matter how fast you go because you'll never find the peace. That's absolutely correct. That Teach- is that is that is it. That you got two minutes. Line. Teach us about that. What is? I mean, it's that's the goal, right? That is the goal. The goal is to become more mindful and to define what it is that is most important to you. So through all of these principles, and there are actually 101 ways in which to uh, to save time in our 24/7 world. That's the sub the subtitle uh, of, the, of the book. Um, it's the power of choice. So choice leads through all of these other hundred ways to save time. How you choose to spend your time is, is, is everything. Hmm. So if you choose to spend your time distracted and paying attention to your, your gadgets or paying attention to the screen versus paying attention to the people that are right in front of you, then that's going to inform how you live. So how you relate to time ultimately says a lot about how you live your life and yeah. the choices that you make within that life. I, wow. I mean, honestly, what else? You're you're going to become a byproduct of your choices around time. That's right. Period. You'll That's be right. you'll be better. Uh, you'll be more who you feel you need to be. You'll be you'll be more what you need to be, or you'll be you know busy. And if you think about it, we are defined by time because when people ask you what your birth date is, then they then they then, you know, your birth date is the first time notation that then informs the rest of your life. Yeah. And so time really is an extraordinarily important construct that we've created that when we relate to it in a powerful way, can change your life forever. Ah, isn't that interesting? Don't you think if if, uh, we somehow had our death date, it would change the concept of time? It would it'd make time irrelevant, actually. It, cause, well, because it would be we like... We would know exactly, yeah, would now, know exactly when this is happening. So then we would decide, oh, okay. But I have a feeling that humans are very forgetful. Oh, yeah. And so that they may actually say, oh, yeah. I have so much time. I got plenty of time. It's, it's, it's next week. I'm fine. <laughs> it's next week. I got plenty to well, do. If it's going to be next week, then you probably wouldn't spend your time doing what we tend to do That's all the exactly time, right. which is distract ourselves so try to fill that void. We'd probably find more meaningful things to do in that time that we had left. Christine, you're amazing. This was wonderful. Uh, it was a wonderful use of time. Thank you so much. I truly enjoyed chatting with you. You too. Everybody go check out her website, Power of Slow. That's her blog. And on there, you can find out about her book, The Power of Slow, as well. Uh, Power of Slow. Go to powerofslow.com and, and just read her blog. Tons of good stuff. And take the quiz. Now, so far, three of the five members of my team um, are already failing the, uh, the uh, time quiz. So, you know, it, we're, it, we're, you know, it's not Christine's purpose to make us sad or, you know, feel bad. It's because we need to pick up our game. So, everybody, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We so appreciate Christine and her wonderful work uh, on The Power of Slow. When we come back, we're going to get into patience, another uh, form and function of something we can do with our time. Merritt's going to teach us, you know, about the power of patience. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We're taking a break. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we've been talking about slowing down. And uh, I just had a wonderful visit with Christine Holbaum and learned a lot about the power of slow. And it's interesting. It seems like one of the great gifts of being in your mind uh, and being mindful, as she was teaching, and heartful, is you might actually be more patient. See, patience seems to be suffering as we... um, as we live in today's day and age. So our own Merritt Meekham has been doing some research on how we can develop the virtue of patience. You know, it is a virtue. Yes, it is. It is Patience a is a virtue. Yeah, the interesting thing, so in all of my research about impatience, the most interesting thing that I think I found is that we kind of view impatience or impatience as the kind of this inherent characteristic that we have. Yeah. Like so, we, you know, we it. say like, I'm an impatient person, which, you know, yeah, okay, like, a trait. Really, like I'll say it right now. I am an impatient person. Yes. But, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like want things to go right now, um, which is useful in a lot of situations. Sure. I mean, we kind of just it's normal life. And um, with my career, you know, when you're on a set, you want to do get it done. Get it money done. is time. Yeah. Time is money, you know. Get moving faster. But there are lots of problems with that. (laughs) For example, um, in 2004, a report in the Journal of Biosocial Science linked a rise in American impatience with an increase in obesity. Hold it. Really? Yes. They also discovered that Americans spent more on their income and saved less. So, Why why does that matter? Why does patience impact your belt? Okay. Well, think about it. It's kind of the whole idea. Really good food mm-hmm. or like food that is good for you is yeah. what I mean by that. You, It takes longer. It takes longer to eat. See, we've talked it about takes, this. You know, yeah. it, fast it, food. Yeah. I'm not paying. That's why I hate food. <gasps> Here we go. Full circle. There you go. I hate food because I'm impatient. Yeah. But it's it not takes a great, time. Yeah. It's not a great attitude to have. Um, also, the... Idea that um, kind of the type A behavior, you know, red behavior, as we often hear, just when you're kind of like, come on, let's get results now. It's really kind of just bad for your health in general. There are lots of studies that link it to that. Um, the, when If you're impatient, you're not going to be as savvy when it comes to money matters. You're going to have a greater risk of financial insecurity. Mm. So bad. Impatience equals bad. We got that. The good news is um, out of a lot of the things uh, – a lot of the studies, it shows that despite the fact that we view impatience as a characteristic, it's actually a behavior. Oh, so we think of it as like, I'm an impatient person, but really it's more you act impatiently. Yeah. And so impatience is linked more to feeling, um, you're probably more feeling anxious or, you know, that's probably more the feeling or the characteristics that yeah. it's linked to. But really it's a behavior. So acting impatient or, you know, kind of visualizing something rolling happening. Your you know, like rolling your eyes. Or feeling, your you horn. know, kind of rage associated with that. That's a behavior. It's not a, a thing. So you're never going to really get rid of the fact that you're going to feel yeah. impatient. You're always going to kind of feel impatient. You're always going to feel the need to hurry more. You want things to be faster, resolved more quickly because really this all comes from right. kind of uncertainty. Um, so yeah, this is the thing is that you can learn how to live patiently, even if you are impatient. So even if you have the feeling inside of you that you can, if I have to wait one more second for that person to turn left, I'm going to rear end them and just push them into the intersection. So if you're thinking that. That's an impatient behavior. The act, I guess, of me. Is the act, that's the behavior or is the thought? The the thought would be included Ah, in the behavior. Blasted. Yeah. Okay. 
So, yeah, you just have to remember that, you know, being in long lines or having that checker who's really slow is just part of life. And just remind yourself you're not special. Everyone deals with this. This is a daily thing. And you just kind of have to learn to calm yourself back down. Just kind of with anxiety, like no whole anxiety techniques. Take a deep breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. You know, just focus on stuff. There's also some other ways to be patient. And I, again, this is interesting because I have a problem with impatient behavior myself. Um, Just understand that irritation and anger, it's kind of an addictive behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you you get all of those, those chemicals that are released at that time. You know, it all happens. Oh, yeah. And you, it becomes addictive. Well, and then if they move. So if all of a sudden because you created a moment, they're moving. Yeah. Then there's Pavlovian. It's like exactly. payoff. It's working. You know? um, so just kind of recognize that and try to think about the way you're mm. thinking. You know, is that something? Also, you can just kind of upgrade your attitude because you believe that you can. You're only going to be happy if you're comfortable, kind of. Yeah. But really, you can just get used to being uncomfortable. It is possible. Well, and it too shall pass. Yes, exactly. It always passes. Yeah, pain has. You know, it has its yeah. reasons. You you have, feel pain for a reason. It pushes you towards solutions. But the pain and the discomfort is necessary to reaching the solutions. Well, half the time it's not even pain. It's just an expectation. Like you would expect them to be moving by now. Yeah, Move! definitely. Cool. Um, you also just need to self-talk. Always comes down to that. Just talk yourself out of the situation. You can if do you're it. Feeling Don't kill him. Don't say, kill him. Don't you know, kill him. <laughs> okay, wait. You oh. know, this is, again, this is a normal life thing. This yeah. is something I can work through. Um Recognize that whatever you're trying that that split second of time that you're trying to achieve isn't absolutely imperative to your happiness. Right. So the fact that you might get off the freeway a minute earlier yeah. than the person you're driving next to is not completely imperative in your happiness. It's not something that's going to make you happy. That's so just right. Slow down. Be more safe. Um, and then just tell yourself again that slow and steady wins the race. You know, it's not the fact that you can rush for this split second. I always find that funny. If you're on, for example, let's take the example of speeding, which is a problem in the Utah County area. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people that do that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. If you go 10 miles per hour over the speed limit, what's that really going to gain? Nothing. What is that? What are you going to gain from that? You'll gain a second until the next light when I pull up right next to you. Exactly. And so really what you're doing is you're just causing yourself harm and discomfort. So, you know, yeah, get over it. Talk yourself through it. Breathe deeply. You're fine. fine. Listen to some calming, soothing music and practice patient behavior. I love it. Yep. Well done. Thank You've you. made me more patient. I'm already more patient. I know. I felt good about that. I can, I'm can. i not just an inherently impatient person. No. I can practice patient behavior instead. And practicing it, even if you aren't quite feeling it yet, might bring the feeling. Exactly. And if not, at least won't bring you jail time, <laughs> which is half of the battle. Uh, we're taking a break. We're coming back with the Meg Conley, the guru, Meg in progress. She's in the building. You can already feel the force is coming. She's got it. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody. Meg Connolly in the house. Yay! How are you, Meg? So good. Hey, this is the Matt Townsend Show, and I'm sitting next to the lovely Meg uh, Conley, also known as MegInProgress.com. Yes. That's a funny name It for is you. a funny, yeah, because I'm always in progress. You're all Aren't dressed we up. All? No way. I've been gardening all day. In fact, I probably smell like fertilizer, so I apologize. Oh, my word. Yeah. That is it. I smelled that, and I'm like, Like Whoa. that aroma. Yeah. Is there a cow? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought <laughs> I should stop an hour before I go on the Matt Townsend no, show and no, no. get myself gussied up. But then yeah. I was like, or not. No. And so we went with or you, not. You know what you should have done, though, is at least wash your hands. I did wash my hands, but look, I have a splinter. Do you want me to get it? No. I'm, I'm good at this. I am like terrified. It happened while I was pulling those no, dang weeds. No, I'm a father, and, and I can pull it, no, and I could pull a no, loose tooth if no, you have one. I tried to pull it out myself, and then I just started crying and cursing, so we're just going to leave it there. Yeah, don't curse. Does it, don't think that like if it doesn't belong in your body, it'll work its way out. Like, well, or it'll cause that... a major infection, which could you I'm, know really severely I'm willing, I'm impact willing to you. Risk it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> don't risk it, Meg. We need you. Yeah, Meg. You are. Um, I don't know if you know this. Yes. But you are a strange person. Yes. This this I hear every day from most people. But in you're 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 one of my favorite humans. Thank you. That, that's the list I've been trying to make it on, like, since I was born. One of my favorite humans. Yes. Well, wow. You, so, uh, I guess you're there. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a short list. Your life I'm is excited. over. <laughs> we but, are done. So my wife started reading your blog. Oh, no. Yeah. What are her thoughts? Wow. She likes you. Good wow? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> she likes you a lot. And um, I've been trying to tell her, you're, you're great, but not that great. Right, right. You're like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. No, she really likes you. You're still the big man. She's into blogging. And so Very cool. she's following you now. Yay. So if you Again, would, my life, yeah. it is complete. To me, I love it because I love a lot of your topics. <laughs> Yay. I'm like, read this one. <laughs> read this. No, read this one. I'm sure there's a couple yeah. that you do. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, for sure, read this one. And let's just print it. Let's just and put frame it. On the wall. it. Put it somewhere. <laughs> so we framed a few of your a few I of your blogs. I can imagine. I can imagine. But go check out her, her website, meganprogress.com. Today, guess what we're talking about. Do you know? Have you Yeah, been taking it slow. Slow down. I love that. You got to slow down. Yeah. You That's slow fantastic. down. You live a very, you can, I mean, you're, you're fast paced. Sure. If, and some might even say you speak fast. I, I, I speak very quickly. I'm working on that. Like when I go to speaking engagements, I'm presenting to people. I yeah. have to tell myself while I'm speaking, slow it down, Meg, slow it down. Cause I'm so excited. Yeah. And when I'm excited, my words run into well, each other and, and your trip hands over each other. are working double time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, the last time, I'm not joking. I was speaking to a group of women and they had so sweetly provided me with a, a glass of water in case I became parched while yeah, speaking. Sure. And I knocked it over when I was becoming like very emphatic about <laughs> one of the things I was talking about. Yeah. It just went everywhere, broke, but you know what? shattered. You made a memory. That's a memory. I, yeah. I I don't know if they'll ask me back. They but. probably won't. That's one of the rules. You never take the water. Well, I now see. I need to talk to you about this kind I'm of stuff. A I'm, an, I'm see, an but you, you teach obviously. me your blogging ideas, and I'll teach you speaking. Deal, deal, deal. Don't. But, but here's the key, because you're the radio queen as well. Yes. Okay. Slow down. Right. How? Okay. So this is what works for me. I, you know, we've talked about this before. It's a blessing and a curse, but I work in big ideas. Yes. That is how I am able to You're an get, idea person. get through the day, whether it's, you know, the symbolism of each morning or, um, you know, that transcendent moment um, that you're able to find with your kids each day. That's that's how I'm able to live. So slowing it down for me does not work when I look at my days as just this 24-hour period where I'm trying to... Um, 
trying to accomplish something um, that will get me to the next day or the next week. And I think for most people, it it does work when they look at it that way. But for whatever reason, for me, it doesn't. So I have to look at the whole scope of my life. So you you don't (laughs) like to, like, evaluate yourself uh Necessarily daily. I can't because it's too it's too microscopic, yeah. right? And so, and your brain's moving so too fast. For and, example, today, yeah, my house is a disaster. Okay, really? I mean, like there is, I I'm on Instagram and I took a photo of the one clean ledge in my house, and I was like, this, <laughs> this is the only clean spot. I was like, but that works. Because See, but that was very positive. I'm going to be on the Matt Townsend show today talking about the seasons of our lives because if I just look at my day, if I just look at that messy house as in, you know, this 24-hour period, and that is so overwhelming. You're failing right depressing, there. Depressing. That's killing right. you. Right. Okay, but if bad, I look at it. Bad woman. Bad. Why bad is my mom, house not clean? Bad right. mother. Right. Uh, and then I just left my kids with a babysitter to come here in that messy house. Smelling like manure. Smelling like manure. Yes. What am I doing? I'm with you. And so, and so um, what I need to do is look at the grand scope of my life and understand that there are seasons. I love And this. when I'm able to pinpoint what season I'm in, what season I hope to be in at a different point, then. Then I'm able to look at what I'm doing, live with more deliberateness, live slowly. Because that's what you mean, right? When you say live slowly with intention. It's much easier to live with that intentional living when you understand that where you are is not permanent and also understand where you're trying to go. Well, nature. That's when it works for me. Nature is seasonal. Sure. Nature right. doesn't try to figure it out every day. Right. And so, of course, that's how our lives should be, that's right? right? That's right. So, so I want, so right now, the thing that presses down on my shoulders every day is um, the conflict between um, wanting to write 12 hours a day and wanting and needing to be a mother 24 hours yes. a day, right? Right. So, I have to understand that right now is my season for dirty diapers yeah. and kids that need me yeah. constantly. And the writing does happen, but in much squal- smaller quantities yeah. than I'd want. But that's not depressing or, or hurtful for me because I'm going to move no into diapers. that season. Right. And so, and so that is that is how I've learned to slow down. Because if you don't look at it that way, the sense of urgency that you're burdened with, oh yeah, is overwhelming. Oh, yeah. oh then then all of a sudden you're caught up in all this stuff that's not. It's it's ridiculous. And well, it is, and you and you drown, right? Right. Like you drown in that messy house because my house is always going to be messy, and I'm never going to achieve what I right. want to achieve. And you can't get outside no, of yourself. I like your approach. It works. Now help me with this. Yes. You um. So you were talking about the messy house. Yes. And the diapers and the children. Yes. And the writing. Yes. Yet you were out in the garden all day today with the kids. Okay. Sure. Because I'm just sitting there thinking, because that's what I would do. Yeah. I, I would, I'd take A, B, and C that need to be done, and then right. I'd go to J, well, and so I'd I be woke, outside. So I woke up this morning, and you know, sometimes, you know, my, my dad recently died, and I'm kind of coping with that, too, on top of everything else, and the mornings are the hardest part for me, and uh, so there's, like, this sadness that, like, clings to me like a spider's web in the morning, right? And so I woke up this morning, and I thought, well, how can I be with my children, but also um, have some not space. be so yeah, sad? Exactly. And so we went to the nursery, and we bought you know, flowers and things that I'll probably kill in the next month as I am not very good at this kind of <laughs> Can thing. Can I just and- <laughs> suggest you take a picture of it today? <laughs> yes, yes. Get a good picture today. it was. And so a way to be with my children and to teach them oh, something cool. and to find my own space was to garden. And so that's what we did. See, but you, uh, what's cool is balance for you then. It's, you know, you beat the cobwebs of the morning. Sure. And had an event with your children. Yes. Felt closeness. Right. And you still had sadness. And that's okay. Yeah. 
Like what? I mean, that's the balance. That's the imbalance now. And that's where I am right now. What should you feel after you lose your father? You should be in a season of imbalance. Right. Well, and what should you feel when you're the mother of, you know, four children under five years old? You should feel a little crazy. Embrace that. What should you feel when your husband is working constantly or or your career is overwhelming? I think that that's the other thing is we need to not feel like every season has to be handled gracefully or perfectly because it just can't. Yeah. Don't you think that's embrace that? That's the problem because we. We and I don't know if it's everyone, but women, yeah, seem to speaking as a woman. Speaking you as would a say. woman, seeing my mother <laughs> and my wife, but it seems like you don't even want to be perfect. You want to be effortlessly perfect. Yes. Oh. Oh. And it's exhausting. without any effort, you were able yes, to balance yes. the passing of your father, your children, right. the spring cleanup of the yard, right? And exactly. Everything else. Exactly. And it's just not going to happen. In no. fact, I thought that. While I was gardening makes it sound too beautiful. While I was pulling weeds and getting splinters today. Weeding. Man, this was not what I envisioned. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be this glorious butterfly filled. And, yeah. you know, my kids were fighting over because I didn't get yeah. – I got princess gardening tools, but I didn't get enough because they didn't each get their own thing. But it was still <laughs> making progress. By the time I was done, the weeds were mostly gone. My husband will get home and be like, well, good Three-quarter for the weight job. Yeah. But the weeds will be mostly gone. I will be able to say I did that. And then the other thing was, what did I do after I had done all that? I left the kids at the sitter because I had things I needed to do for myself, and that's, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. So and, great. And more importantly, you're here. Yes. Not, not more importantly you. than your children. <laughs> More importantly than those <laughs> More kids. More importantly than those but, you minions know, in, an- in another season, um, the, the kids... Uh, in a good way and a bad way won't be as you know physically exhausting right. I'll be able to write more and and there will be you know pros and cons to that but when we look at things in in the grand scope we're all moving forward yeah. and so that makes it easier to approach your day with that with that slowness with that deliberateness because I don't know about you but other if I'm not doing that my head is like I love it's like that. I'm a chicken running around with my head cut off well and that's an ugly thought but um, <laughs> it's totally true but it's interesting too about the seasons idea. There doesn't, there's not always just because they say, "Oh, it's spring." Sure. Spring. Sure. What day is that? April. Whenever spring comes. I think comes. spring just happened, right? Oh, did it? Yeah. Did I miss it? The first day. Was yeah, last I missed week it. Yeah, it was last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I didn't even see it. <laughs> but that's what's interesting about it is just because you can still have snow on the ground in spring. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. so it's not like these seasons. No, it's happen. never like this, and it's like this green. You know, the yeah. grass is always greener on the other side. Well. Well, not necessarily, not which sounds so <laughs> depressing. The, there will always be patches of green, and there will always be mud and muck, and there's no getting around that. And so, and so, you do need to find the beauty in each season, and you need to be okay with the dirt too. And I think, I think that as women, that that is so difficult because we don't think other women have these, you know. Uh, seasonal obstacles, these seasonal changes. We think that they're getting through life effortlessly, oh. which is ridiculous because we see them every day and we know that that's not true. No. We see their messy hair. We see yeah. we see them in their vulnerable positions, but we're not able to relate that to our vulnerability. Yeah, that was just that one time in that one weird way. Right. Totally. Totally. And that's, I mean, we're smarter than that. Yeah. Come on. Are it's we, embarrassing I mean, that we feel that way. But it really, I think if everybody was forced to leave their windows open, Oh, so I live in, all I live in this little 1920s bungalow, right? With that I love with oh, my whole heart. Oh, see that totally matches and, your dress, by yeah. the way. <laughs> and but there, the front room is all window, and so even when they're closed, you can hear everything going on inside of my house. They're new windows. I thought upgrading the windows would shut in the screams, no. but it did not. Oh, no. And so my neighborhood always knows the happiness and the sadness with my kids that goes on in my house. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a good thing. Wow, Meg really is in progress. Like, oh, look yikes. at Meg. Meg making progress today. <laughs> yikes. Her children Meg are regressing. Meg has stalled. Though. 
<laughs> but, You're um, awesome. But that's 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 all that's all good. We need to we need to embrace that about one another and no, give each other room to be that way. We, if we had to really, I mean, imagine how real it was in like a bunker in Auschwitz. That's a yeah. So you're yeah, so you're one depressing. well horribly <laughs> depressing. But you're one of a hundred people, and there's nothing to hide. Yeah, absolutely. What can absolutely. you hide? Not even a crust of bread. If you're having bread, a bad if day, you're if you're, what do you hide? There's nothing to no, hide. No, you can't. You're just and it you. Does, and, and, you know, moments of extremity do force community. And, and I think that motherhood is a moment of extremity. Oh, for sure. And so we need to allow that to, to, to force a community. And, um, and I think that as we see each other in these different seasons, we'll see things that we um, hope for and aspire to. And then we'll also see things that we relate to. See, you're like a philosopher, it's all I, it's all I want to be when I grow up is a philosopher that gets paid for her thoughts. Well, you know what? I think you're on your way. <laughs> Do you know I actually am? I have a home line now that has my quotes on it, and I and I sell pillows and stuff with Megan Progress quotes on it. Do you really? Yeah, I do. So well, I, it's kind of like where, philosophy, right? Where do they sell these? Because um, I, I think we need a pillow here. In the, I don't in the studio. Bring you a pillow. It's Latter Day Home, and so they have they wow. have my quotes. It's really fun. Yeah. Dude, have they read your whole blog? Well, they approached me because they liked my writing. I don't think they've read all of okay, it yet. Yeah. Let them get a few pages <laughs> deeper. Few, there might be a few things they missed. So. Yeah. I can hardly wait to see the pillows they make. Done. Um, no, you really see. But you deserve that. See, no oh, one. Oh, I've never know. been asked to do a line of pillows. Well, or maybe home decor. you know, maybe it's because um, you're a dude. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's probably that. Yeah, it's, it, pro- it's that. That's probably what it is. Meg, you got it. See, okay, you're you're the designated uh, backup host of the show. Stop it. You know, we just need to be gentle with ourselves, and we need to accept where we are, the point that we're at, and then move forward from there. If we do that, everything is attainable. Everything. Everything. We get what we want. We just have to have it at different times. Yeah. If you want it. Right. Right. But that's the time issue, right? If you but you don't have to have it. No, but I mean just cuz it said you have to have it. I would like to backpack through Europe. That will happen in 20 years. Okay. And I can wait 20 years no, for that. Why? Which which part? The oh, Europe. You don't like Europe? I love that's Europe. That's rough. It's so much history and reading yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but a right? car is just as fun. You know, we backpacked through Ecuador when we had been married for a year, and it really? was so great. You get to know all the people, and you're on the public transportation, and you find places you wouldn't have found if you had been driving oh, see, past them. Me. You know, see, that's fun. that's patient of you. It's taking it slow, right? Yeah, yeah. Classic. I lived in Argentina for two years, and right then I vowed I would never backpack anywhere again. You're like, and we are done. <laughs> I didn't have that experience, so three weeks in Ecuador just made me more excited. To and do it's it like again. it was a honeymoon. Yeah, it was actually. It was really fun. Nothing more romantic than Ecuador <laughs> in the summer. There were all these there were all these anti-American protests oh, all beautiful. over the country and Riley was like, just pretend you're German cuz like I knew a little Achtung, bit of German so Achtung. I'd be like, "Hello." <laughs> you're the, what's your name? Heidi. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Your name is Heidi. Uh, I didn't know how stupid we were to be there at the time, well, but <laughs> you're not stupid anymore. Meg, you're the best. Are you going to stick around? You know it. We're playing a game. Do you know speed? Um, it's not how you got here. No. It's a game. A Speed. game? Speed game. I'm, I'm excited. Jess is in charge of it. I love when Jess is in charge of stuff. That's we're we're going to take a break. Meg in progress, playing the speed game when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back. That's the hoedown music. And uh, the only one dressed for it is Meg. <laughs> this is um, the Matt this Townsend This is an show. early 90s Liz Claiborne. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I mistook not, that for a hoedown. It's definitely resort wear, garb. not hoedown wear. It's beautiful. I, here's I think my thing. it was the smell Elaine, of... Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld is my yeah. fashion icon. Oh. Always has been. And I'm pretty sure she wore this dress. Was she also your dance instructor? Kind of, actually. I'm not going to sit here and lie about no, that. No, I think I've seen you dance. <laughs> it's, if you haven't, that's about it. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> uh, who's playing the game today? James is in charge. Jess put it together, but Jess does not want to have her voice on the radio. Even though she is in broadcast journalism and is looking for a job. Anybody that would like to hire Jess, one eight five five chat byu She's looking for employment and now getting a hug from Maddie. But as long as her voice isn't involved in anything that she does. Exactly. She is a she likes to um, have She's someone like a else mime voice. On air. She's probably more of a producer because she doesn't want her voice on air. That's it's a beautiful ex- yep. voice. We're trying to get her to talk and she still won't talk. But you do hear a giggle. So, James, how's the game played, and uh, how will I win? <laughs> well, no guarantees. I always win. Yeah. Uh, so this is the speed game. Now, I'm going to give you a topic. Okay. For example, let's say restaurants. And we're going to go around in a circle as fast as we can, naming things in this topic. Okay. Um, and if you <gasps> I can't, hate this. I am so bad at this This happens to be the best game yeah. I play. This works. So if you can't think of one, to- spot, one on the spot, yes. um, and or if the, the buzzer goes off, then you're out. Okay, and it's restaurants. Restaurant, anything to do with restaurant. Well, I'm going to give you a topic. Restaurant was just an example. I was already. I had all these restaurants. Come on, James. Sorry. Sorry. It's not that easy. Okay. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. All right. right? And we go in a circle. So the circle would be who? Who's in the circle? Who's playing? Uh, Uh, Jess is going to speak. uh, Jess, are you playing? That's good. Okay. Okay. Well. And so it's just. uh, Yeah. Just. Are you playing, James? I'm not playing. Okay. So it's just Jess. And did you offend a lot of people before I got I here? I yeah, like I a lot of people a, don't want to participate. I had a breakdown. <laughs> I don't know. I don't so know. We, I'm going to give you 10 seconds, and then once the gong goes, then you're you're out. If the gong hits, then you're out. Okay, okay here we go. So the first topic Start is yeah, Matt, you're okay. up first. First topic: candy bars, Mars, chocolate, Hershey's, Reese's, Snickers, nuts, cookies and cream, Three Musketeers. Oh, Marathon Matt. bar. Rapper. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> How long can I wait? Because I could stall 10 seconds. I think you could wait the entire time. So Jess is out. We're going, to, going around again. Another oh, 10 was, seconds. Hold on. Did Jess even say anything? Uh, like That's one. She said no. a couple, but I okay. guess she got out. Here we go. Okay. The topic is. Who's up? Uh, we're going to start with Maddie. Okay. Restaurants. Olive Garden. JB's. Table. JCW's. <laughs> I feel like Matt should be out right now because that is it. Yeah. <sighs> that was too long. That that you you all took mine. <laughs> okay, Do not eat out. Sorry. I don't eat out. We're, we're at the we're at the championship you don't get a body round like now. This eating out. <laughs> Meg, this is you and Maddie. Come on, Maddie, bring it. Okay, here we go. The topic: things you would buy at a grocery store. Toilet paper, asparagus, paper towels, candy bar, crackers, cheese, <laughs> fruit, <laughs> uh, fruit leathers. <laughs> Um, Ruby Barrels. What? A uh, candy. <laughs> Orange Fanta. Great Fanta. Great <laughs> Fanta. Um, pencils. Sprite. Peanuts. Oh, boy. <laughs> I cheated. I used Matt. It's totally. Your voice was deep that on the Great Fanta one. Great yeah. Fanta. That one. Great Fanta. <laughs> um, so you won. Yeah, well, because all you, well, I cheated on yours, but you just have to have the previous person's word remind you of a word. 
So you just like riff on their oh, word. So That's now easy. you now you teach us your trick. Now if you that say the crackers, show, the other person just says cheese. What if Come you say on, cheese? What, what if you say cheese? Cheese, maybe. Cheese. Grapes. Cheese and grapes go together. It's delicious. What if I say? <sighs> so you pepper. can't even think of a word to say. Pepper. That's okay. Salt. Salt. Boom. Salt. Pepper. Bacon. <laughs> Bacon. Eggs. <laughs> eggs. Grapes. <laughs> grapes and this eggs go easy. together. That's You're right. This is an easy game. It's would, called speed. I would like start repeating myself in my head, though, and then you'd repeat something. Who are you? Yeah, that might happen. Are you talking, Jess? This is Jessica Littlefield. There you go. Reporting that to you live from Pocatello, Idaho. <laughs> that sounded pretty professional. No, Je- so, again, Jess is looking for a job in broadcasting. She also <laughs> is good with kids. And that I know how to make mac so and cheese. stereotypical. She's a woman, so you say she's good with kids. Oh. Come on, she's, I bet she's really okay. good at math. Well, let's just see if this will get her a job. I'm not. Uh, Jess uh, is also horrible with children <laughs> and likes I, I, to... You know what? At see. least there's some originality in that. That's great. You embrace it's that, Jess. less inclined to ever be hired. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, um, we've got to wrap up the show. Wait, can I say my burn really quick? Uh, you only need to be good with kids and radio if you work with Matt Townsend. <laughs> I don't find that funny. Did you just snort again? Yeah. That snort brought to you by Meg in Progress with the Deviated Septum. It's true. Coming to you in the theaters. Meg, again, as fun as always. we got to wrap up the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Final word, folks. Slow down. Slow down. Let it go. Let it slow. From Frozen. I was hoping you'd start singing that song. That was from Frozen. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. More fun ideas, more tools to give you a leg up in life. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.